Hey, what it do, sports fans? Welcome to the Sports Live podcast brought to you by Multimedia Live. I'm Sboom Jigeli, so your host, and I will be joined by various guests on this exciting new podcast to discuss the latest ins and outs of the sporting world. Right, the episodes have racked up uh, the Sports Live podcast and guys, we're really kicking on. It is Rugby World Cup final time and I didn't see that the Springboks would be playing England in the final. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of people called that, but we'll get into that conversation. I had a special guest, of course, as is par for the course in this Sports Live podcast. We had Stephen Jones, not to be confused with the former Welsh flyhalf who is now the assistant coach in the Wales team but the rugby writer the accomplished rugby writer chatting to us from Japan and uh, that's in uh, the second segment of this episode I was chatting to him about everything to do with England and the Springboks and obviously this is a historical clash I mean these two teams have had it out before um, they were England were lost in South Africa last June for a three test series South Africa were took in them last year where they lost by one point it's pretty much to all since um rassi erasmus took over and this is pretty much the decider uh it won't just decide uh, who who gets the better of whom between eddie jones and rassi erasmus it will decide where the william webb ellis trophy goes and i have to say that the springboks i think they did well to get over the line they played pure semi-finals rugby it wasn't pretty a lot of people think that to win a rugby game, you have to win it in the fashion that England did against the All Blacks. No, 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 no. That, for me, was, as you'll find out later, a, a little bit of an aberration. Uh, but one of those games where England were pumped and up for it and they played the complete game. Very, very rare that you'll get that in a high-pressure environment such as a World Cup semi-final. But they did it. And you have to play that kind of game to beat the Oblex, uh, who were looking for the three-peat. Unfortunately for them, they'll have to wait another four years before they add to their three World Cup trophies. But between England and South Africa, one of them is definitely going to add uh, another one to the cabinet. South Africa, obviously, two-time previous winners of this tournament, 95 and 2007. England, 2003 winners where they beat Australia. Uh, ironically, uh, that English team beat Eddie Jones's Australia. So he definitely um, has a bucket list item in terms of winning this World Cup. He does have a medal, however, because he was part of Jake White's technical team in 2007. Um, so was Rusty Rasmus, funny enough, right up until the tournament before he actually pulled out of that technical team to go and become director of rugby at the Stormers. So, there is some history between the two coaches, Eddie Jones of England, as well as Rusty Erasmus uh, for South Africa going into this game. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. We're going to bend your ear, obviously, Stephen Jones and I, uh, when we get into the meat of it. Uh, do I really need to get into other sports? <sighs> Let me brush up on what's been happening on the other side um, of the sporting codes. A little bit of football has been going around, obviously. Mamelodi Sundowns going down to Kaiser Chiefs 2-0 over the weekend and Peter Musimane didn't take it quite well um 
has been going at Ernst Middendorp and Kaiser Chiefs apparently benefiting a lot from refereeing mistakes and the Premier Soccer League have finally put their foot down and written to him asking him to explain his comments um, and he was joined of course by one of his midfielders Diani Mabunda I think he did it just to hype up the game I mean that was a sold out game and um, now we're looking forward to the Telcom knockout um, uh, quarterfinals where Orlando Pirates do face Kaiser Chiefs and the temperature is definitely hot now because Orlando Pirates can't seem to buy a win and Kaiser Chiefs are being accused of benefiting from refereeing mistakes. Ooh, it's 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 yeah, it's it's building up to be one one heck of a Soweto derby. It's going to be down in Durban, smaller venue than is uh, you, uh, uh, than is the norm between these two sides. It's usually at FNB Stadium, usually packed, of course, and tickets were sold out in less than 24 hours, which was incredible. Kaiser Chiefs sold out two different venues in two different provinces in two days. Uh, yeah, that kind of shows you the kind of team or the kind of support that Amakosi uh, enjoys in this country and they seem like they are backing it up with results on the field a stark contrast to their ninth finish or outside of the top eight finish from last season a lot of people called for Ernst Middendorp to face the sack but he has somehow redeemed Amakosi and they are number one on the Premier Soccer League log on the Absa Premiership table and they definitely got the better of Mamelodi Sundowns over the weekend then uh, in cricket, um, the, the the Mzansi Super League will be starting pretty soon. Uh, there's been some four-day cricket uh, going doing the rounds. A few players have uh, put their hands up in 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 the domestic scene. Um, we saw that Tandontini, Makai Antini's son, made his debut for the Cobras. Uh, Ashore Prince calling up the young lad. Uh, of course, I did see him play for the uh, SA Emerging Squad. And uh, in one of our previous episodes, we actually had Tandontini on this po- podcast um, speaking with Snetemba Kashile. So if you've been following us, yeah, none, none of this stuff should be new. You know, you should be on top of this. So do subscribe, do download, do go to timeslive.co.za forward slash multimedia to get all our previous episodes. I mean, we've we've had such esteemed guests on this podcast and they just keep coming. And next up is Stephen Jones, the Sunday Times UK uh, rugby writer who has won the uh, SJA Rugby Writer of the Year Award multiple times in his, I think, more than 30 years as a, as a rugby writer. Yeah, he's got stories for days. But our focus was definitely on this weekend where the Springboks play England in the Rugby World Cup final. Guns, an essential tool in self-protection or a catalyst for criminality. CliffCentral.com presents GunCast, a podcast that unpacks the divisive issue of gun ownership in South Africa. Join legal expert Martin Hood as he hosts a series of talks with both sides of the gun lobby. Whether you support the right to carry guns or you believe they're a destructive tool that society could do without, GunCast will enlighten and challenge you in equal measure. Find GunCast now on the Cliff Central app, on CliffCentral.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So I am having the honor and privilege of chatting to Stephen Jones. Nope, not Stephen Jones, the former Welsh fly half and current assistant coach of the Wales rugby team. I'm talking about the rugby journalist for Sunday Times UK, who is also a multi uh, award winner um, as a rugby journalist. He's also written quite a few books. He's a rugby author. 
one of which was The Endless Winter, which speaks about his experiences coming into post-apartheid South Africa. But we want to talk about, obviously, the Rugby World Cup final, which is definitely the biggest spectacle, I think, sporting spectacle of the year. England against South Africa, first time in the final since 2007. Stephen, you're actually in Japan. Welcome to the Sports Live podcast. And thank you so much for giving some of your time to chat to us. Thank you very much, Boo, for ask, asking me. And um, the, the viewers, or sorry, the, the listeners won't know how difficult I found it getting through to you on Skype because I'm not very good at those sort of things. But it's brilliant to talk to you too. Yeah, uh, you said that um, in your day you were sending a copy via Telegram. And now... Um, <laughs> forcing you to get a Skype account when I when I started it was it was by telegram and it was like in like in the middle of the night in New Zealand you had to bribe the operator to stay on till the early hours with a bottle of whiskey or something like that so that just shows I may have been doing it too long <laughs> right well at least you've experienced it all in terms of the growth yes. and evolution of filing copy that's for sure and who knows right. um, where technology will go from here and then. But uh, are you in Tokyo or are you in Yokohama? I'm in, t- I'm in Tokyo, in downtown Tokyo. And, uh, you know, the sense of excitement is absolutely huge already. I know it will be over in South Africa, but by me, it is, you said it, it's, it's one of the biggest sporting events I think I've ever covered. And it's just, it's just going to be huge. That, that, that says a lot, considering that you might have covered quite a bit in, in your lifetime. And the, the way it's panned out in the tournament, is this one of the finals people kind of didn't really see coming? Um, purely because the Springboks weren't really um, maybe probably out in a top five contender, but not a strong top two contender. And obviously New Zealand were, were probably favorites to at least make the final, if not retain the trophy. Do you think this is kind of a final that a lot of people probably didn't see coming? Uh, I, I didn't see England making it, actually, but I did see South Africa because I thought they they had a great chance of winning it. Um, you know, you, you've had some bad times down there with, with so many players growing, growing abroad. But I was in South Africa a couple of years ago when they, uh, you know, you put England away in that series. And Razi Erasmus, I, I found incredibly um, determined, incredibly, um, you know, clear thinking. And I just always thought when you got your players back that it was going to be, it was going to be, they were going to be a potentially a great side. So I'm more, I'm more um, surprised about England because they took their time in this tournament, as you know, uh, but my goodness, they've come flying through. So the two best teams in the tournament are in the final, but frankly, South Africa, a place I love dearly and always have, to have them back in the final is wonderful for the world game and, and not New Zealand because they've had their turn, they're yeah. gone, and now the, now the best two are left. I think it's, I think it's actually fabulous. Um, the, the England series was interesting um, that you, you bring it up because it was Rassi Erasmus's first, uh, first three games in charge and um, there's a, there was a lot of unknown, uh, unknown factors uh, that came into it and chiefly because 
we didn't know what to expect from a, a, a Rassi coached team because he's never coached um, the Springboks before, even though he was part of the technical team, uh, Jake White's technical team, until the very last minute mm. where then Eddie Jones replaced him. And uh, he, it's always been a job that people felt he might have at some point in his career, but he had always shrugged off and brushed aside that, ah, no, it's fine. I don't have ambitions to be a Springbok coach. I'm not quoting him verbatim, but it, mm. it, it just felt like that. And when he got it, it also seemed to be a little out of his peak season because he had his best times as uh, coach of the Cheetahs, which is now more than 10 years ago, and as director of rugby for um, the Stormers, a very strong Stormers team. And after that, he went a little quiet and took a rather managerial position at SA Rugby, running the SA Rugby Moby unit, and took over then as director of rugby before going to Munster. So he, he had been quiet for at least about seven years. And then now suddenly we were all uh, thrust into the, the new Rassi era, um, who was there to make um, a, a bandage job, really, uh, mm. on the, on the Springboks? And uh, that series told us a lot about how he was willing to try new things. But the opposite was true for Eddie Jones. They were going through probably the worst time under Eddie. How did you, how did you find the contrast between the two teams at that point? Well, the huge contrast because, um, you know, when, when Eddie first came in, they, they went to Australia and they hammered them. But Eddie then started to struggle. And um, whereas um, Razzie uh, was always seemed to be so clear, he, 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 you know, he was clear that he wanted some players back. He was really clear about transformation. Other people haven't been. They didn't quite know how to handle it. But he was clear, in my opinion, about, about that. Um, and I admit that's an outsider's opinion. Eddie, you just never know. Even even at press conferences now, you don't know whether he's joking, you don't know whether he's being insulting, you don't know whether he's on top of things. Now, it is a long time since England played really well. But I have to say this, uh, I've been critical of him, Spoo, but he, um, he said, he promised that at, when the World Cup came, things would come right. And at the moment, they have... Because, for instance, the last Saturday's performance against New Zealand was was one of the greatest I've ever seen an England team give. So the two men are very different. Uh, one is one loves the limelight. Uh, Razi just really gets on with the job and is very honourable in his discussions with with other coaches. Eddie is a loose cannon, and you know, in many ways, the matchup between those two is almost as interesting as the matchup between the two teams. Yeah, it is. It's quite. It is quite fascinating the the, the contrast and that last June series. Do you think, uh, uh, as per some of the reports, especially in the UK, do you think Eddie would have uh, lost his job if he had? Um, was it going to be seven straight Test defeats um, running into that series? I think the rot stopped in at Newlands. Would he have been fired if he didn't win that Newlands Test? I, I don't think so because there's two problems there. First of all, there's not really anyone around who they could have picked instead. Secondly, believe it or not, the Rugby Football Union is as is losing a heck of a lot of money, and so I don't think they could afford to pay him off. Now, of course, you know um, everything's right, and they, they kept him there. But I think there was. If it had gone on another six games, he may well have gone. But but now he's there, and you know if he wins on Saturday, as you know, he he can name his own price for the next World Cup. 
Yeah, and we know Eddie drives a very, very, very hard bargain. Yes. I, 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 he, he, you said he's a, he's, he is a pretty volatile, unpredictable character, and I can only imagine what um, you know following England is like because you know sometimes journalists want to get tucked into the nitty gritty uh, technical stuff, and he can be a bit dismissive of um, of a lot of questions that come, especially if they poke at the at the meat of his tactics or or, or if they strike a nerve. Absolutely true. Um, uh, he's not very good at. Um, I, I guess he's not very good at, at criticism. I mean, m- maybe maybe I'm not. I don't know. But he, he he's he, he sort of he's kind of evasive. Um, and um, you know, sometimes you just wonder whether the players are enjoying it as well. I mean, they'll enjoy winning games. But you know, one or two said, "Blame me." You know, you never know where you are with him. One day he's your best friend. Next day he walks past you in the corridor as if, as if you know, he didn't even know who you were. So he's a he's a, a great enigma. But I, I, again, I have to say, all criticism has been stopped, Aspu, by by the last couple of performances because they, they they were just absolutely brilliant against New Zealand. So. He's an enigma, but um, and and also you know he's he's an Australian, and sometimes Australians and Brits don't get on very well. There's a lot of banter between the two, uh, but um, you know he'll be he'll be an adopted Englishman, um, and probably he will be knighted, a rise Sir Eddie, if they win the World Cup. They're a great character, and I think Hattie is a is a great character in, in a different way. I think if I had six hours to spare in, on a desert island, I'd rather Razi to be there talking about rugby than Eddie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you don't get stuck in a desert anytime soon. <laughs> but uh, speaking of that semi-final against um, New Zealand, I mean, I've, I've I've seldom seen the All Blacks not have some part of the game go their way. Uh, I know they scored a try of uh, a line-out error, um, but, you know, without that severe sort of opportunistic try, it seemed very, very difficult to see where, when or, or, or where New Zealand was going to be able to get their game going. I said, I said uh, in a tweet, I think, uh, that they, they looked France-ish by the end. They, they looked very uh, headless, like they, they were just throwing the ball around. They were strangers. Um, in in black jerseys, I I almost couldn't recognize them, especially yeah, well, because we've watched a lot of all black games. Did you did you get that sense as well? And 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 how in the world did England manage to pull it off so clinically? Well, I totally I totally agree with every word you said. I mean, you know, like Bowden Barrett, every time he gets the ball, normally it's it's action stations, it, it's lookout, danger signals. But he was he was just sort of. Almost like corralled in 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 a, in in a, in a little cage for the whole game. Ditto um, Richie Moanga, and the forwards never got into it. And it, it was done by first of all, I, I think when when people try and beat the All Blacks, and and you you will know this, uh, uh, you know, uh, as a South African, people try and beat them up up front, and and that's where the Springboks usually try and do them. But what England did was they they played faster, even faster than than. New Zealand played. Uh, you know, they, they, their defence was up rapidly, made some huge hits. And in the end, New Zealand didn't have a plan B. They had nowhere to go. They couldn't switch tactics. And they, they, you were dead right. Apart from that try, there was barely a, a, a five minutes of the whole game where they were even anywhere near England's, England's try line. And you're right, you couldn't believe your eyes. You could not believe your eyes. 
Yeah, I absolutely couldn't believe it. And, and, and I mean, usually when they get TJ Perinara coming in, uh, sometimes they'll then switch up and, and, and give Bodie the, the, the ball as a first receiver, even if he's, he's playing at, at, at fullback, just yes. to get the, the, the ball moving uh, quickly enough. Um, I, I, Anton Leonard-Brown, I've never seen him so quiet in any game, either Super Rugby or in an all-black jersey. And the, the wingers, I didn't see uh, George Bridge at all. Um, Sivu Reese tried a few things. Um, it was a very alien performance. Brody Retellick, I don't know if he was fit enough for the game because he did come into the tournament with an injury. Sam Whitelock was ill-disciplined and, mm. and all over the show. Uh, Reed was dominated, the captain Kieran Reed. I, 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 I could barely make sense of what was going on. And is that a credit to England or, or did just New Zealand have one of those games to forget? Oh, I, I think you know it, it's easy to say whenever anyone loses, oh, you know they didn't play very well. But blimey, this this time I, I really passionately believe that it was a brilliant performance by England that that that, that stopped them playing. You know, I mean, some of the defence, um, who, who you know, the defence is organised by John Mitchell, who, who be, who's very familiar to, to you guys over there and has had probably an up and down career in various places. But you know, the defence was so good and they, they played. Um, a, Great attacking rugby with with the front rowers, you know, Carl Sinclair, Joe Marler, um, and um, Mako Vanapola, really spinning the ball and, and and almost doing little tip passes and you know throwing the ball off the ground to the next man and it was almost un English like because England are used to be a team which reveled in scrimmages and 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 then they kicked the ball but it was just a revelation. And um, I'm sure we're going to talk in a minute about these two flankers, Curry and uh, Underhill. But my goodness, they're, they're hardly known, but they have been outrageously good uh, in Japan. So it, 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 this was to me clearly not the All Blacks playing badly. It was they played exactly as well as they were allowed to. Yeah, um, I was about to actually get into uh, Tom Curry and Sam Underhill. Are they like 20... Two, twenty-one, twenty-three years old. They're they're about in age. Yes, well, C- Kerry played in the Under Twenty Cup final only only just over a year ago, um, and he's fascinating because he plays for Sale Sharks, and there are twins. There's Ben Curry and 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 this Curry top, and and um, people at Sale say that Ben Curry has always been the better player. Which is fascinating because if he's better than Tom Curry, well, he's done really well, and he's come from nowhere. And 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 fair play. Um, uh, we, we were talking about Eddie earlier on being unpredictable, but he found this guy, he, he picked him, uh, and he's got a great result because uh, Curry has played brilliantly. Underhill, if anything, even better. Underhill was playing in Wales for the Ospreys, and um, and it, he was qualified for England, so they brought him over, and he has been an absolute revelation. And, and, and I'll just say one more thing, that Billy Vanipola mm. has been has been there the king of England's pack and back row for ages. Now he, he, you know, he's almost sort of diminished because of these two brilliant flankers. So that that is the key to why England are playing so well. These two young lads in the back row. It's it's absolutely uh, amazing to watch. And I want to switch to Springboks Wales now. And what did you pick up um, from that game? A total contrast to the All Black New Zealand game. Um, a lot 
it had a, a a lot more of a playoff feel to it than the previous one, and obviously the scoreline, the the, the three point margin that the box won with, uh, tells its own story. What did you pick up from the box that you thought you think they can uh, carry over into the final and will will do them in good stead? First of all, when you see on social media people saying, "Blimey, this is boring," it's it's bad rugby. I'm saying, hang on, this is the semi-final of of Rugby World Cup. It's not the Barbarians. It's not Super Rugby on a hot on on a, on a bone hard ground in Bloemfontein. So I hated that. You you win these games if you can win them three nil in a bad game, you're happy. Um, I thought South Africa were at one stage. I thought they were going out because. They tried to pound Wales, and Wales had taken a lot of injuries, but Wales broke out in the second half and, and, were, and were steaming forward. Um, and, and, and when it was level, um, if they'd only they'd just waited a little bit for, before they, they fired the drop goal, Reese Patrell, they, they may have got somewhere. But what struck me, um, what struck me was one man, and he's got to start on Saturday, and that's Francois Lowe. The back row was very upright and and i know i'm this will be anathema to to fans of uh, peter stefter toy and um and vermoulin but the, i think that when he came on he gave them a presence at the breakdown he won two turnovers including the one they got the penalty from and he, they have got to have someone to take on curry and underhill and I, he probably won't do it. I would categorically start with Francois Lowe as a, as a proper open side flanker. Yeah, I can uh, almost uh, put my house on it, Stephen, that uh, <laughs> Rassi is not going to change his back nope. row, even yeah. though it, there's a it, it's it's glaringly obvious um, that um, we definitely need a loose forward that plays to the blo- to the ball and to the floor. But uh, it would it would co- uh, constitute some drastic changes. Um, a, it would either he drops the captain, Sia Kolisi, which would would it would bring out the lynch mob, uh, especially on on social media, especially in a race sensitive uh, country like South Africa. Yes. Um, it would be a a, a PR disaster. Uh, not that Sia Kolisi um, is a, is a bad player. You know, but the the decision is made even harder that he's 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 the first black captain of the Springboks, and a lot of people want to see that Mandela moment to 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 put it in inverted commas of him lifting the trophy and him leading out uh, the team to 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 the ground. So I, I really no, I mean, don't I, think I wouldn't play um, Sia Kalise because he's he, he's uh, I I would play him because he deserves to be in the team. It's as simple as that. I mean, you know, it was very emotional when when he came into the team, and I and I, I do know what it means. But I think he deserves it, you know, his place. I, okay, I see. There's another there's another factor there, but um, I think there are too many players in the Springbok team who are the same, the same sort of player. And 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 I think that Sia and um, Francois, and you're right. I know what you're saying. It won't be. He won't change his mind. Sia and Francois on on the flank give you a better balance against a team like England who are now playing quick rugby. As simple as that. The the other alternative, though, um, there is a way without getting the lynch mob out, um, and that would be to move uh, Peter Steph to toy to the second row, 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's also been outstanding. Uh, he is a second row, a, na- a natural second row as well, uh, who's who's been playing very very well at blindside flank, and have Sia Kulisi moved to number seven. Well, the South African number seven, and 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 Francois Lowe to the South African number six. That's the only way it would work. But Rassi doesn't make these decisions, and um, I want to switch to sort of the, the the Achilles heel that we have in the team, which is. Ville Leroux under the high ball at fullback in a World Cup final, you know, knowing full well that uh, England have got two accomplished um, kickers in Owen Farrell and George Ford. I think South Africa is very, very weak um, in the number 15 position and Rassi has stubbornly uh, stuck with Ville Leroux even though he's dropping balls, making basic errors as a fullback and that's for me is my biggest biggest worry do you think england will be able to exploit exploit that weakness if uh, indeed Vili does start at fullback yes absolutely um i, I agree with what you say when Vili Leroux came over to wasps uh, we've not seen much of him he had an absolutely brilliant season people used to go along just to watch him play with the likes of danny cipriani elliot daly uh, you know you, you know these guys um and uh, Juan de Jong obviously was there, but the, the, he, he somehow lost it. He's so erratic now that, that he, every time he gets the ball with it, oh, God, what's he going to do next? And he is really going to have to improve a lot if he's not going to be in danger of checking the final away. Now, I see that Cheslin Colby is, is fit. That would be a really challenging selection to put him at, at fullback and, and run the ball back. So... It is a difficult problem. Um, that must be, surely, Spoo, that must be somewhere where Razi has got to make a change. Yeah, I worry about Razi's ability to make uh, hard decisions. And I've expressed this uh, publicly as well in some yes. of my analysis. Um, I know you do. Yeah, Vili, Vili, for me, is definitely the weakest link in, in the team. Um, but he, he's done this in the past, though, where he'd have brilliant games. Sometimes, sometimes in the same game where he does something out of this world, and then in the very next minute he'll do something absolutely diabolical. Absolutely. He's that out a little bit, um, but now it seems like he can't. He's not able to pick himself up from it, and it's it, it's only getting worse instead of getting better. Yes, yes. Well, it, it, that that is absolutely key. Uh, just, just. Uh, I'm sorry to just go backwards a little bit, but. Uh, you know, if I was a Razi, and I'm not, and he won't make a change, I would change the second row because in the second row you've got two giants, but they are exactly the same sort of player. And England have now got uh, this guy, Maru Toji, who is an absolute beast of, of a man, but also he's quick. And I, I would, if to play for my life, I would put Mostert in there instead of either Diaga De, De, De or um, Estebeth because... They they look like look like lampposts or lighthouses sometimes, Spoo. And uh, I, I would I would put Mosto in there because he's fiery and he's quick. And I don't think they're going to get far when you both your second rows are the same sort of player. Absolutely, I do, I do, I do want to agree with you. Um, I, I, instead of Mostert, I would I would actually hedge my bets on Peter Steff uh, yeah. to it because yeah. I think he would be the perfect counter to Itoji. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. 
Uh, but well, I think he's a great player. But you have to have someone because I told you we'll run riots. You know, he's he's just this young this young guy from uh, a, 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 a different background to all the others. And you know, every now and again, you think, oh no, he's he's having a poor game. But do you know what? He's he's playing out of his skin, and he does it for Saracens and he does it for England. I've never seen him have a bad game. So you have to have someone who is, like Peter Steff, I definitely agree with that, to take him on and, and, and give him a real battle. And when you're six foot ten and quite long and, and, and slim, it's, I think he'll, he'll gobble them up. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm definitely, there's a few admirers in South Africa for, for um, Maro Itoji, chief of whom is Tando Manana, who, who gushes every time the boy touches the ball. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I know, I know. Well, I, I mean, you know, we, Tando would probably like to play, would like to play against him, you know, and, and uh, oh, they're just a great, great players, great players. I didn't see enough of Tando in his playing days. I saw him on the, a couple of times and, and, and stuff on clips, but uh, um, we were in contact, so he'll tell me how great he was when I see him, when I see him next. Yeah, don't let don't let him con you into thinking he was the greatest uh, back row in the world. No, I won't. But I won't. I won't. His his nickname was uh, Ruma. If you remember Olivier Ruma, the the French oh, second yeah. row. Yeah. 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 That was his nickname growing up. Um, he used to play a lot like uh, Olivier Ruma. Um, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, I respect him for all I've heard and. Uh, Someone, I, someone wrote a fantastic book on him. I can't remember his name now, but someone wrote a brilliant book on uh, on Tando. So um, it, it was, it was a great, it really was a great book. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. It was a great book, it really was. Thanks very much, Stephen. I appreciate it. Now, whoever it is that wrote that book, I'm sure he's a great writer and deserves loads man. and loads yeah. of awards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just before we wrap it up, um, do you, where, how do you see the the, the final actually uh, panning out? Say there are no changes uh, to to the to the twenty threes, and say for instance, uh, I expect that um, Cheslin Kobe will come back in some some way, mm. shape, or form uh, because I think he's been our best player in terms of the Springboks. I do expect um, Eddie Jones to to do something with the midfield. Um, I don't know if he'll bring uh, Manu Tuinlagi to 12 to counter Damien Dialende, um, yes. but those are really the only places where I would see changes, if any. Um, how do you see the, the, the final panning out? Uh, it, look, the first start, people are saying, you know, England last week, they, they beat the All Blacks, could have, could have won by another 10 or 11 points. And they say, look, you know, South Africa didn't really look like they they had an awful lot when they played Wales. But, you know, if you know your rugby history, anyone who's thinking England are going to have an easy 80 minutes is really in for a shock. I think, A, it will be a very close game. I think it could go either way. I make England narrow favourites. Uh, as you say, it's got to be Ford or Farrell. Eddie seems to change them back and forth. I think he might go Farrell 10 this time. Uh, but anyone who thinks it's going to be another breeze, they really don't know their rugby history. And when you've got people like um, Tendai Matawo Era and, and and these guys, they're proud men. Um, incidentally, the beast, I, I would make him one of the characters of, of this tournament. I just think he's absolutely magnificent for all that he's done in that century of caps. 
And when I saw him come on with his kids um, in Bloemfontein, I think, in the in the test match, when I was last down there, it was one of the most wonderful sights I've ever seen. He comes on with his, with his little um, brood of children. And this, this man, I think he typifies what South Africa almost always was, obviously, when they were all white. But, but, but what they've become, I think he typifies what they've become. And it's people like that who are going to keep South Africa in this game until the final whistle. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was his 100th um, test, and it was a really oh, emotional right. moment. Yeah, that's and right. I, I mean, it, 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 look, he, he's, one of, he's one of the greats, and it, obviously he's helped in the sense of transformation, but I would really hope that, you know, people from the same background as him, there must be kids coming along to say, look, I can do that, I, I can do it. And, you know, when he started, he maybe wasn't the best scrummager. No, his scrummaging is, is, is as strong as any. And I just admire people like that so much for what they what they do on the field. And he's such an honourable guy as well. He went to apologise to someone who he accidentally whacked against Japan. And, you know, that that's what rugby is. And what his inspiration is just... It's just fantastic, and that's why I think that there's some proud men out there, and they're not going to let young English push them around. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, Beast has been absolutely phenomenal. He wasn't even a, a front rower when he started. He was a number eight yes. when he was he was spotted by by the Sharks at a uh, Craven Week tournament. I think his school, St John's, was invited to to one of the um, uh, uh, schoolboy tournaments, and that's where he was picked up. He was converted into a, a, a loose head prop um, after joining the Sharks Academy. And to get more than 110 caps as a not a natural uh, front rower, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it speaks to his work ethic, um, his drive. And he's a guy that wanted to stay in South Africa and see the journey through, which is even more rare. Um, yes. in the modern uh, rugby player that we have certainly here in South Africa. Uh, so kudos to Beast. He's, gonna, he's not going to leave anything out there on the field um, in this final. Absolutely. No, no he won't. And you, you know, I mean, he's, he's probably not going to stay till the end of it. But w- when he's there, you know, when he comes off, he'll, he'll have battle on us all, all over him. So, you know, that, 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 again, he, I think he typifies it, typifies what they're, what they're all about just as much as, you know, the, the great old Springboks of the past did and uh, Francois Pina and these guys. I think he, he does typify what the modern Springboks are all about and inspirational. And I'd make him like the, almost the man of the tournament. I really would. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Razi, you say Razi will go with the same team or almost the same team. Well, you know, he knows them better than me. And uh, but I, I do think at least that his bench will then become vital. He's got to he's got to bring him on at the right time. Francois is bound to come on, I think. Um, Peter Steff, he's got to have a role somewhere. Um, I, I agree with you, and um, it's just fascinating, isn't it? I mean, what could possibly be better? I know everybody over there would be biting their lips and you know and, and almost closing their eyes, but it's going to be absolutely brilliant. I'm looking forward to it. And it wouldn't be a final, of course, without uh, kicking um, prowess in, in, in of either teams. We've seen uh, in the 2007 final, and I think prior to that, when the two teams met in 1999 in the quarterfinal, it was uh, Yanni De Beer then uh, who, who <laughs> dropped gold England out of the World Cup. Um, just to wrap things up, 
what role will uh, the the accuracy of goal kicking uh, uh, play in 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 this final? Do, do you know something, Spoo? Um, the kickers these days are so good that it's. I mean, in the old days, people kickers used to get sort of five out of nine and things like that. These guys are so good. I think they tend to cancel each other out, even when there's a try right in the corner. They used that used to be converted like fifty percent of the time. Now they hardly miss. Far, Farrell missed a couple last week, but is a brilliant kicker. Obviously, Henry Pollard is a magnificent kicker. So, I, I, I don't think it'll come down to kicking. It'll be who has the most opportunities, you know, and who gets the pressure on. I'd be very surprised if it, perhaps oddly, if it's decided by kickers because they'll get they'll get almost every kick they go for. So again, it's again it's it's so tight you can't, you can't split it and Pollard is the guy you know I, I watched the Lions test match in Pretoria in 2009 when I don't know I don't know who upset South African viewers the Lions absolutely murdered South Africa they really did uh, that was it was you know it was all over and then at the very end they gave away a stupid penalty and uh, Mornay Stain came up and you know nothing was more certain at altitude that he was going to get that kick so uh, maybe it'll, maybe it'll be time for an England player to do the same. But kickers these days, they absolutely smash it out of the park. They really do. Ah, absolutely. Great stuff, Stephen. Um, I am jealous that you'll be there to experience it. For me, Rugby World Cup Finals, the greatest sporting event. Um, but I'm biased because uh, rugby takes uh, first place in my heart. But uh, enjoy it, mate. Uh, have a brilliant one. Take it all in. Drink it to the last drop. And I do look forward to you writing a book on, you know, experiences of rugby in Japan because I think this is definitely a moment in time uh, in rugby. I was there for the first week of the tournament and I'd never seen anything like it. I think rugby has entered waters that um, people never thought were possible. And the, we can't look back as, uh, as a sport now. We can't. Uh, backtrack and and uh, shrivel up and go back to our traditional ways. I think it's time to expand the game, and Japan has shown that it is going to embrace the game. So I hope, Stephen, um, if you have any more words left in you after this tournament, um, I think another book similar to the one you wrote when you were in South Africa uh, yes. is definitely warranted. I, I, I'll do it. I, I, I quite like the idea, and you're dead right. The old the old guard in rugby is gone now. We've got to we've got to we've got to uh, expand and and make rugby a truly global sport. And by that I mean Fiji, Tonga, Japan, uh, Samoa, uh, Kenya. You know, let's get let's get everybody in. And uh, it is a great sport. We 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 we're all critical of it, you and I, but. Deep down, it, it's still a fantastic sport, and I hope it continues to be something that that, that solves the wounds of, of of South Africa. Brilliant! Thanks so much, Stephen. Have a fabulous, fabulous uh, weekend over there, and um, I'm looking forward to the game itself. Cheers, great to, great to talk to you. That's it from me, Spoom Chigeliso, and you've been listening to the Sports Live podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Do also catch us on timeslive.co.za as well as Sowetan Live, Business Live. We are also on Iono FM, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, Pocket Cast, wherever. 
to connect with us please use the hashtag sports live share your comments with us at times live or at Sowetan live on twitter a big thank you goes out to the multimedia live team led by scott peter smith and producer Paige Muller, as well as the Tiso Black Star Digital Sports Department, headed by Mninawa Mchana Ntloko. Our sound and audio mixer is Innocent Manike. From us at the Sports Live podcast, it's goodbye for now. <laughs>